1: And hello again. Thank you so much to tuning in to counterculture. Tuning in, I, I think I just dated myself. I just by even just open the first sentence out of my mouth it goes, that guy's a boomer. You know
0: what? There's no judging at this table. There's no judgment? No judgment. Okay.
1: I I okay. I'm not feeling any judgment. I'm feeling the love right now. <laughs> I, I'm so, like I said, like roll like go roll, and
0: sin roll, no more. That's roll
1: what I the, <laughs> the I love roll it. down the window. Yeah. You don't roll. No, you don't roll anything. You don't pick up the phone. No, not anymore. It's those are all based on old concepts. Isn't
0: that interesting? Yes.
1: And uh, I'm old. I (laughs) I went to the I went to the gym today.
0: We have a lot of life experience. You know how pathetic my bench
1: press was today. It's
0: pathetic. I used to be.
1: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) this is not about me and my midlife crisis. (laughs) 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 This is about counterculture.
0: And peacemaking, peacemaking,
1: yes. that's yeah. right. So, thank you again for tuning in. Counterculture, we're a show about peacemakers and bridge builders and midlife crises. Okay, just two of those, well, not the third I'm one. I'm not
0: midlife, I don't not, know about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's fully
1: act, my partner Lisa is fully actualized. I'm Jonathan Sanborn, you're Lisa Jernigan. Jernigan. Lisa, it's nice. look, we, we, we're, we're like what
0: is it, six or seven episodes together. I think so. I mean, it's we're long-term now. <laughs>
1: we, are, we are long-term. long-term. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> We have little friendship handshakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. No, but this has been a great show because we get to invite and talk with, like, the best people in town.
0: That are really the practitioners. We say that every time, but they're practitioners of right. peacemaking. Yeah. And exactly. that's what is important. People are
1: getting it done. People are doing the stuff that needs to get done bringing people together, the countercultural people. And John, you're sitting here watching this. John, thank you for coming. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm sorry I had to witness all that. No, it's great. Okay? It's
0: great. And John, we're super excited to have you. And, and just for our listeners, just to know a little bit about John, he's served in ministry. Pastor um,
1: John. Pastor John oh, for get. over
0: 30 years. Oh my
1: goodness, 30 years.
0: But he's still super young, um, <laughs> just like us. And he's served in Southern California, Texas, and Arizona. He's married to Cassandra so for 25 cow. years. Yes. 25 years, and they have three amazing October. daughters. And I love this about him. It says John loves to see the church at her best through peacemaking, inclusion, redemption, oh. and reconciliation. Woo. And you do model that, John. Well, we we see that. So thank you, thank oh, you for thank coming, you. being a part being yeah. of our show.
1: Thank you. So you're a male model. Oh, there that's we go. right. Up. Modeling peacemaking. I love it. Exactly. Love it. I, like
0: that. I like that term. It's there a, we go. I think I don't know. He's the Zoolander of peace. I might have to think about that one.
1: (laughs) So, okay, we we've done a lot of trash talking, but uh, it is an honor to have you on the show. And I just think that we're hitting for for you're here for such a time as this. I mean, your 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 life and your message, what you what you're about. We just need more of this. We need to have more of these conversations. Mm -hmm. And
0: um, and calling, you know, we calling it safe space, calling it brave space. I've heard yeah, that. Brave you know? space. Yeah. But. And having these conversations. And John, you said something to me the other day that I have really thought about because we were talking about, it was just right after the Buffalo shooting. And we were talking about it and you you were just saying, as, um, as a black man in the black community, it hits you. It hit a pain point. It triggered something inside you, another, opened up another wound. Yeah. And when you said that, I'm like, well, you know, I heard that, the shooting, I mean, devastated by it. But I think because of who you are, um, being a different ethnicity, different life experience, different conversations, we forget that people can hear the same news story and yet be triggered in different ways. So can Mm -hmm. you kind of expound on that? Like, what did that mean to you? When you said that, what does that mean to you and to the black community.
2: Yeah. So, well, again, thank you so much for allowing me to be with you. Um, I really am excited about the opportunity to talk about this and talk about things and how the church can be better. Mm -hmm. And so we think about that Buffalo shooting, uh, a lot of different things came emotionally towards me. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. the anniversary in my mind, of another event that happened a year before with George Floyd. Mm. And so that was one trigger. That was one, one kind of jolting emotion that you felt. And then what happens after that, it doesn't stop there. So uh, picture yourselves being in a vehicle and you kind of bump into the person in front of you, that jolt. okay? Mm-hmm. But then you realize as you process all the other things, oh, my goodness, here we go again. You start to recognize the person that you were ended is somebody you know. You know, so it's one thing to get in an accident where you're you're going through and you hit someone, oh my gosh, I got in an accident. Oh my gosh, I know that person. Oh my gosh, in the vehicle is a small child. So all those different tiers of emotion that happened I I'm now jolted by an event. Now I'm realizing the motive of the event because mm. it wasn't just a shooting. It was a racially motivated shooting. Mm-hmm. And so then you go from that to – And we know that because of the manifesto. Oh, my gosh. Right? Is that the right. manifesto? That isn't just some
1: arbitrary – Yeah. And
2: I'm not and I'm not being insensitive to you hear shootings all the time now, unfortunately, but then you add to it. Okay, now you realize it's a racially motivated. And then then it's kind of like, oh, my gosh. And you, you hear about this manifesto and you hear about, man, his intent. And so, all these different things, so you were into that you you were in that vehicle, you realize that you know the person, you realize there's a child in that vehicle, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, and so and then you have to process because and I really appreciate you know being a safe place you you want this to be a safe place to as you lead through this as pastors, we have that tension of okay, how do we lead through this? how do we uh challenge, how do we encourage, and how do we move from this? this pain. And Mm so you're right, Lisa, it was was very much traumatizing because it was like, uh, it just triggered. It just brought out all the emotions. And in the back of my mind, that small voice is, oh my gosh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. You know, George Floyd, then another shooting, then another shooting. You just kind of, you're processing so many different emotions. And then you get the, it
1: seems like the the same cycles of debates then happen, right? And that has to be also just compounding the- You almost like you. I almost like if I put a sentence out there, you expect a certain response. Yeah. Is that, do you have that experience? Yeah, you expect a
2: certain response, and then and and now I've been doing ministry long enough to know. Okay, so I know my my brothers and sisters of color are going to respond one way, and I know attention that my white brothers and sisters will navigate is is going to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so leading through that and managing those tensions, I know I'm going to have a different response for different people. But then there will be a, a few people who will want to presume, who will want to presume, OK, what that really wasn't something that it was or mm-hmm. make light of it, uh, minimize it, and to sit in that but also lead through it. And help people understand that we're all brothers and sisters. Rather we be people of color or not of color, we're all brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And we as a family to grieve together. Mm-hmm. So, Well, all and I think
0: one of the things that was interesting to me because that, that trigger comes from history. Yeah. And we are, I think a lot of us, even the white community, are, we don't really think about the historical narrative that feeds into that. And it's like you said, here we go again. Yeah. And so it just, it just keep the layers, just yeah. keep building, That's keep well building. Said. And so at some point you're like, how do we stop this? Like, uh, and like, what is appropriate conversation? Cause as we know, being in a, um, you know, you're in primarily a, a white yeah. church leading as, as a black pastor. Yeah. And it, you know, you have people and we all know it sitting in our churches that are on totally different sides of the aisle on this. Mm-hmm. But how do we bring – that's our challenge is how do we bring people to that common place to see that, you know, we're all image bearers of Jesus yes. first and foremost. Yes. But how do I, you know, how do, how do I start to see life through your lens to understand – that was a great – you helped me understand that going, I have never thought about that.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's it, – it's, uh, you, you kind of are it, – it's proximity. You know, mm-hmm. proximity when you're able to sit close and to sit with someone in their pain – you know, it's just different versus watching something on the news or hearing a commentary and uh, – or developing a perspective that is not letting you be with that person. And so what I mean is this. As you think about – a, for those of us who are listening right now and you have – and you are a, a, a someone who is not of color and you're hearing – this happening to someone who is of color to sit and imagine and and be in proximity to where they're experiencing their pain. And so it's just a, a dynamic where, okay, what's that like? And I can compare it to this, you know, um when a friend of ours, when a friend of yours rather, if someone in that person's life passes away and you know that person, you have a level of proximity to that person versus any funeral you may drive by or any memorial service you may drive by. When you know that person who's lost a loved one, there's a level of proximity that you have. And so when it comes to these kind of tragedies to sit with them, OK, this, this is hard. I know this person. They lost a loved one. Mm. And not that I have any family in Buffalo, but the being, uh, being the racially charged incident it was, I did have family there. You know, where it's like, wow, that community, a dominantly black community uh, experiencing that kind of pain, you know, to sit with me and to say, wow, this is hard. So pro- that proximity um,
1: observation is profound. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of depth in that. And it, it the, that and I think conceptually i'm trying to wrap my mind around that that makes a lot of sense but but helping people to flush out this proximity yeah. just step step into that a little more cuz there's a lot there
2: yeah it's just it's an interesting thing so gosh if we had another couple hours to talk about you know we, <laughs> we get, can arrange that please. we can do we got i know people we can we can pull this off <laughs> we get a really interesting perspective of the black experience, based on sports, mm-hmm. based on media, yeah, you know, uh, we have celebrities that we follow who we right. enjoy, and so it's easy for us to think that we know uh, the black experience because, hey, I I follow LeBron James or I like Jay Z's music mm-hmm. or. You know, whatever it may be, or Oprah Winfrey, these iconic people. And what's the danger is we think we have an opinion or a perspective or a knowledge of the black experience versus proximity is when you sit around the table and you listen to the conversations and you see the tears, you see the pain, you're you're doing life with them, it's a different mm. perspective. And here's another thing too that's really interesting. I, I share this with my white brothers and sisters all the time. Black folks are just as diverse as white folks. Sure. You know, we, we right. just think like, "Oh, so you like this and not you like this or yeah. whatever stereotype comes to your yeah. mind." We're not all lightweight, you know. It's like yeah, nor exactly. do we, nor do people who are white Are confused with someone else. Hey, you remind me of someone else who's white. Do you know them? You know, it's those kind of things you hear in conversation. So there are, there there is (laughs) diversity in the black community. Yeah. (laughs) So we don't have an expert. Uh, perspective, you know, I I, uh, I talked to Lisa about this a while ago. I get uh, really annoyed when I hear they don't do it so much in the news anymore, but they will say the black voice. You know, yeah. Oh the yeah. Black community. I know. Right. <laughs> you left everyone in one big thing. You know,
1: it's very interesting. I think that's two. One is viewing. There, there are group identities, yeah. but they have to be really ho- – we have to be careful how we use them. Yeah. And so we don't put everyone in – just f- think we have someone figured out yeah. based on, oh, well, they're probably a Democrat. They're probably yeah, this exactly. or they're, they're this in- income level based on yeah. broad categories. Mm-hmm. And it could be quite the uh, – radically opposite. Yeah. So then we have to meet everyone as an individual. Yeah. And that takes time. Yes. And listening, <laughs> if we're going to really understand who an individual is. Yes, sir. So well, that's why we want the show. We want to take the time to hear yeah. a, vo- a, a voice on this and not just an, our caricature of a, right. <laughs> of a group. Well,
0: and John has been a great um, teacher, mentor, even in my life. He's come, you know, my husband, Cal, who's the lead pastor, we kind of got into this narrative five or six years ago and we're like why didn't we know this some of this stuff why mm-hmm. didn't we understand it then there goes to that point where you're like i'm afraid to say something cuz i don't know if it's offensive or not offensive i don't know the proper terminology so then you almost don't say anything and then john has been so great to helping us go it's okay just Let's have a conversation about mm-hmm. it. And that's how mm-hmm. we learn. Yeah. So that's what I've really appreciated about you. You bring people along and you will be honest and real and call things out in in a very well, loving way thank you, to help us. Mm-hmm. And, I think and that's the whole I, thing.
2: Yeah, and I appreciate you, Lisa, because you said something safe and brave, you know. Uh it's when, when a person of color feels it's safe, you know, because there are there there is a tension that I manage that, okay, is this a safe place? Can I share this? Can I reveal my hurt, my pain, my concern, my opinion, my anger even mm-hmm. with certain events because there has been these, these last three years. We've learned a lot. I mean it was a rough year a couple of years yeah. ago. Was like, oh, yeah. Oh It was like almost every month something was happening from Charlottesville to all kinds of different events and things and mm-hmm. we all fall into that danger. We turn on the TV and we hear something we and we see something in media that even stirs it up or minimizes it or makes it or makes it uh makes it worse or makes it doesn't doesn't is not honest has mm-hmm. a take on it and but I really appreciate you Lisa because you have provided a safe place f- for that kind of dialogue that kind of engagement and I and I uh I love the church I love its diversity I love its uh its complexity you mm-hmm. know because I do think that the church still is the hope of the world mm-hmm. I don't think Amen. uh I don't think government's going to solve our problems. I don't think uh, even I, I say this delicately, but even a social justice movement is not going to. I think the church is the one that's going to share that hope and share that love, the true love and the true hope which Christ came for us for. Okay, and
0: demonstrate it. Demonstrate
2: yes. it. Yes. And this is I,
1: and another one. I just want to press on because this is just this is as someone who, 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 in spite of all its messiness and think times, I've even wanted to walk away from the church. I still come back to that yeah. pr- f- profound truth that the church is the hope of the world, that the bride of Christ yes. is the bride. By yeah. you know, um, and I can't be careful how I speak about the bride, Absolutely. knowing that Jesus died for the yeah. bride. And so, so even as as messy as the church is, how do we step into this space of like in in, in a, maybe related to race? that it, that helps the church
2: to be more
1: the hope of the world.
2: Yeah, yeah. and that's a, that's a great question and I, uh, a book I highly recommend is uh Bullies and Saints. It's a it's an assessment of the history of the church as it's related to our culture and I I love if I could sum it up, I'm not to – spoiler alert. I'm not going to ruin it for <laughs> you. But basically you could summarize this the church was at its best when culture was at its worst.
0: Mm. The
2: church was at its worst when the culture was going well, if that makes sense. It's kind of mm. like this really weird tension where uh, when the church had power and it had influence, yeah. they were behaving poorly. Yeah. But when the culture was circling the drain, so to speak, and yeah. doing things wrong, that's when the church rose up. and I, And I say this because – the church has always been counterculture yeah yeah uh, there are things that we now take for granted that the mm-hmm. church brought up like okay women okay no they're 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 important they're valuable yeah. children they're valuable uh, uh generosity or charity came out came from the church hospitals mm-hmm. came from the church mm-hmm. so we have kind of gotten this space in 2022 where we think like okay we're going to fight no we're going to Rise up mm-hmm. and pres- and be a champion
0: for mm. things that
2: the culture is not championing. Uh, we're going to be a voice for the culture is not bringing a voice to. We're going to be the the we're going to plead for the widow. We're going to be hope for the poor. We're mm. going to be good news for everyone. Mm-hmm. See, and I and I, I often say this a lot. I think I I'll probably share this very soon from the stage. You know, good news should be good news for everyone. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. We love that salvation. Good news is salvation, but there's so much more. Good news is justice. Yeah. Good news is inclusion. Mm-hmm. Good news is hope. Good news is bravery. Good news is much broader than what we try to confine it to. Yeah. I, I call it that salabar theology where we kinda like, oh I like this stuff, this stuff. Oh what's this over here? That yeah. that justice stuff makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. You know, so when it comes to race uh, I do think we have a great opportunity to lead the way of what, because we see, like Lisa just shared, we see each other in the image of God. Mm-hmm. These are all God's children. God has a paintbrush; He made us all different shades. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I like those crayolas that have all the different yeah, colors. Right. You know? It's like that's God's. He's a, a masterful artist. You mm-hmm. know, I and mean? it's just what a great opportunity for the church to lead the way for that. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's a great opportunity for us, like you said, in the early church, like culture and so, to reclaim our identity, yeah. right as the beloved community that did creative things in love that that were countercultural, yes, and that's how that's why we're sitting here today yeah. because what that early church did way yeah. back then when culture was horrible for them, they rose up.
1: That's really, and I think we often lament our influence in culture. Oh, you know, Hollywood or or you know, liberal politics, or we're, we we don't have the places of power we think we need in order to achieve kingdom work, but. The opposite actually might be more true, yep. that we actually can accomplish more <laughs> in the places of less power. Yeah. So, no, there's a lot in that. Yeah. There's a lot in that. Great opportunity for us. Great
2: opportunity for us.
1: So do the, the categories – I mean – so I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine and he was saying, I have a hard time even deciding if I'm black or white because he has a black father who had more of a traditional African. You know, African American upbringing, yeah. and then but his wife had a white immigrant uh, mother, and so sometimes do we are we do, are we using the right categories when we even when we say black and white, almost like we like again it creates this it, it, yeah. like it helps us easily to define, but
2: but not everyone even defines themselves in that way. So help me help me think about that. Yeah, that's tricky because I've watched the evolution of different words, and so uh, a couple years ago, um, uh, I think it was on, I think Apple. Um, produce a a documentary called 1971. And it was eerie because the things that were happening in 1971 with civil unrest, with Mm. the music Uh. and everything occurring could easily translate and be really? in twenty twenty one. Wow. You could take you could take the president we have in nineteen seventy one, the president we had in twenty twenty one, and they were identical, the things that they do that they were doing socially. But I, I say all this because you watch this and you know, there's been a evolution of what you call people of color. It's been yeah. there's been Negro, there's yeah. it's been colored, there's been um afro-american african-american and then i i have a lot of brothers and sisters from africa who don't appreciate being black people calling themselves african american because you're not from africa you're from southern california right yeah Um,
1: generations removed right it's
2: been really fascinating but i do think that uh a lot of people they're on a journey. Yeah, they're on a journey, and I think it's. uh And I go back to the comment I said earlier about we're just as diverse. Mm-hmm. People of color are just as diverse as uh of white people. Yeah, you know? and so I do think they're on a journey. So that your friend you mentioned, uh, I think, as they get, uh, they realize, wait, I, I do identify. For example, Tiger Woods when yeah. he first came onto the golf scene, he he called himself cabin Asian, I think, you know, and he realized okay, you know, yeah, he had like yeah. this really interesting take, and we're kind of like Tiger. Yeah. You, you have kinky hair. Yeah. You full, you're, you're black. Okay, uh-huh. I'm sorry. Yeah. But so people are on a journey with that. I hope that answered your question. Right. Correctly. Yeah. It's just. Well, I mean,
0: it doesn't fit in. We want everything to fit in a category. Yeah. And it's like the best thing is to ask people, how do you identify? Yeah. A lot of times, right? Yeah. And, it's, and they have a feeling or what they, what they sense. A lot of times we want to project onto them who they are, not just eth- ethnically, but just, yeah. you know, you're this person, you're that person. So going, no, I'm not. It's like, how do we let people tell yeah. us who they are? So, what, what,
1: I mean, we're getting, we're running near the end of our show, but I, this is, is this categorization that people do, what, like, maybe in your understanding or theology,
2: why do people default to that so much? That's a good question. I think it's so funny. Uh, you triggered, you said a word that triggered something to me, Lisa, that identity. We want mm-hmm. to identify with something. We want to have, uh, you know, we're, We're on this journey where okay, do I identify with the sports team? Do I identify with the brand? Do I identify with the band? Do I identify Mm -hmm. with you know? We want to have the identity, and I do think that if I was to peel away the onion, you know, we're all image bearers. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't need an identity. You don't need to share where you're from or what you're all about. Or you know, we're all the children of God, and so I. But I think God's children. We just want to have a. um, We want to have like something that we can rally around. And what's happening in our culture now? We're uh, I- I'm excited about because we have white people becoming a voice for people of color. They're identifying with justice. They're identifying with inclusion. They're identifying with something that's beyond what they may look like. And mm-hmm. So it's it's tricky. But I do think we just want to identify with something. We want to have meaning and purpose.
1: And and so in your own identity, I mean you you you. You have multiple ways you probably identify yourself. Yeah, one of them is gender. One might be race. One yeah. might be your faith, and some and some of them you might actually put on a higher yeah pedestal than others. Like you, I don't that sounds weird. I don't know if that sounds weird,
2: but tell me what you think about. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Because, that's a huge question. Well, no, it? I so. I find myself really navigating that tension in a, different areas because I uh, am an extrovert to a fault. And so yeah, I I always want to make that person feel welcome when it comes to interacting with them. I want to find that common ground, that connection. So when it comes to a sporting event, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, talk about sports, a favorite movie. You know, I'm a Star Wars nerd, and so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna start using words. As I like of, you more now. <laughs> i gonna say you yeah. just said the magic word. Uh, like I you force is strong with this. Well, like even, even – at least caught me on Sunday mornings when I'm dialoguing, hey, did you see the Obi-Wan thing? You know? Yeah, that's <laughs> but, right. But that's connection. It's connection. Yeah. It's like – it goes back to being seen. I mm-hmm. see you. Yeah. I get you. I'm like you. Find that common ground. And I, and I do think – it is a complex question uh, because I do think we find ourselves trying to connect with one another, trying to be that bridge builder, trying to be that, that common thing that we have going on.
0: Well, I think it's one with identity. We're trying to create a collective identity as yeah. peacemakers.
1: As peacemakers. Yeah. yeah.
0: What if we all said we're, collect- we're peacemakers? Mm. What yeah. does that look like? Mm.
1: This has been a great discussion. I think, I think, well, one, this has been a great discussion. Two, you like Star Wars, so you, we <laughs> want you back for another show right after this. You'll have you on for the next one because there's, there's so much more to go part here. Two. Part two. So stay, stay tuned next week for part two. John, Pastor John. Thank you for being on, on, on Counterculture. We really appreciate you and look forward to continuing this conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank God's you so lunch. much for having me, you guys. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities, and by Care Portal, a platform connecting the needs of children and families in crisis to the local church.